Garrity here, welcoming you to edition number 33 of Joe vs. the World. My guests today have their own show, The Big Audio Nightmare, on F4WOnline.com. Making his second appearance on the show, it's Mike Sempervivi, and making his grand debut, Adam Summers. Gentlemen, how you doing? Go ahead, I believe, Adam. I believe I'm doing well. Much like our show there, uh, Joe, I was waiting for Mike to start, and he, uh, he just wasn't there. Well, I don't want to hear you whining about like me talking too loud or dominating the show or you know not talking about wrestling on a wrestling show. So, go ahead. I, I will let you go first. You get the floor. I, I will say that this feels a bit like post-TPI, uh, a steak and shake. It, it's all very, very nice. I was going to mention that Adam and I, well, this is his first time on the program. He and I have met before after the, the Ted Petty 05 tournament. We were part of a contingent that dined at the <laughs> lovely steak and shake. And... Um, <laughs> Much, much fun was had that night, including the uh, the waitress who told us they caught a uh, she caught a couple um, in coitus, so to speak, in the uh, men's room. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, the, the late night antics at a steak and shake really it can't be underestimated. There's no. nothing good happens at a steak and shake after one a.m. No, especially if you're hanging out with Necro Butcher. <laughs> He's got a pull guard. <laughs> Necro Butcher <sighs> shoot fighter. I'm telling you. It, it, you, this whole WEC uh, acquisition by Dana White, it's going to be built around Necro. Joe, have you ever seen Necro Butcher in, in a shoot-style uh, wrestling promotion? I can't say that I have. Let me think, no. Adam swears this is the greatest thing in the world. Oh, I yeah, just I can't imagine, like, you know, Necro trying to slap, you know, using the butterfly guard. Necro, Necro is quite the shoot-style practitioner, uh... Was it just a couple of weeks ago, Necro Butcher, Drake Younger, IWA Mid-South, and, and there were calls of Necro Pole Guard, Necro Ground and Pound, and it, it was a very shoot-style match until, of course, there was a ref bump. <laughs> kind of blew the shoot-style. It kind of yeah. took the Takata sort of flair straight out of it. I See that, that in uh, Battle Arts or uh, <laughs> UWFI. Not that ruins awesome. things for me, though. That completely ruins them, because the Necro Butcher I want is the shoot-style fight he had with Joe. Where Joe would just take him and throw him headfirst into a pile of fucking chairs. Like, I don't want to see slam him on his forehead. I don't want to see skilled Necro work his way out of an arm bar. <laughs> That's not the shoot I want. I want to see Necro, yeah, get like hit in the head with you know the barrier. <laughs> he was still throwing bar punches though. <laughs> bar punches. <sighs> well, this is the um... Joe. What are we doing here? Take control of your show. <laughs> yeah, is, uh... really. What are we doing? We are covering uh, Japan, the year in review for 2006. But it's dead. According to our boss, the esteemed, illustrious Brian Alvarez, it, Japan's dead. So I, I really don't understand why you're having us on, Joe. Well, I admit it's not the, the golden age. Maybe it's the, the copper age, tungsten, <laughs> zinc. Pewter. Rust. Sure. Hopefully Daniel not Pewter. rust. But um, i got to tell you, when I think of Japan in 2006, I can only think of, of Keji Mudo. Kensuke Sasaki, Masahiro Chono, ripping their shirts off and playing video games. <laughs> In a very successful video game at that, Russell Kingdom, yeah. which really is responsible for the uh, the skyrocketing stock <laughs> that is Yuke's. <laughs> you know what the best thing about that commercial is? Guess who the, guess who the one guy is who has to stand while the other two sit down? Yeah, the guy with no knees. <laughs> they make the guy stand. This guy passes out when he stands up. <laughs> <laughs> he hits his head against the wall, and this is the, you know, here. Please stand while you're sure you have uh, your knees or have no cartilage, and 
probably have the consistency of a Nerf football, but uh, yeah, you stand up <laughs> while uh, Chono and uh, God, it's like, it's like making Chono stand on his head for uh, the commercial. <laughs> Why do they just do that? <laughs> they got to save that for the sequel. <sighs> I don't know. So, give me some quick thoughts on the the year in Japan, 2006. Dead, alive, doesn't matter. I would say uh, it, it hasn't sucked anywhere near as much as people might. Uh, might lead you to believe, while, while, as you said, it's not the golden age, particularly in terms of attendance, there's been some pretty damn good stuff going on, whether it's NOAA, where you have exciting main events, and Battle Bowl-style undercards, <laughs> not exactly the most uh, inspired booking, and we've uh, we've took them to task uh, more than a few times, Mike, uh, throughout uh, 2006, I think. Uh, yes, we have, and it was it was a very interesting year. Yes, it wasn't a you know an international banner year for anything, but you had a lot of really wacky and important stuff happen, and some bad stuff too. But it did you know the fact that we talk about it means somebody's interested in it. So I don't think the, you know obviously attendance is bad, but you had New Japan splitting up into three groups. You had NOAA debuting a group. You know, you had All Japan, who is quietly, and All Japan will still get ripped by people who think it, you know, like this was a couple years ago. I mean, All Japan has improved greatly and become very entertaining. People in America, a lot of them, I don't know about a lot, yeah, I guess a lot of them finally got a chance to see Dragon Gate for the first time when they came over to ROH. I mean, there's a lot of things that happened in Japan. The Uke Steel, the incredible failure of Brock Lesnar as IWGP champion, the fact that Nakamura disappeared for a couple of months. I mean, so Anzai, a lot of, by the way. <laughs> it's successful six-week stint as Bonsai, really. It, when you're looking for a learning excursion, that's the way to do it. Well, <laughs> it was a better trade-off than getting, like, I don't know, Mark Dindrak in the CMLL. <laughs> Natural fit. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I don't think, I think if you looked a little bit harder and you didn't just paint everything with a broad brush and say J- Japan sucks, and you really looked into it, it was actually a really interesting year. Cringeworthy a lot of the time, but still very interesting. And there were also there were a lot of very good matches. And you you mentioned All Japan, and I, I I'm known as nothing if not, especially in the 2006 a All Japan apologist. I I tend to believe that overall it's been the most entertaining company this year in Japan, even though it, it might not have the oh my god five star matches that Noah tries to produce. But it's been consistently entertaining, and they they managed to to book a very successful show at Sumo Hall this year, uh, and I believe it was August 27th, where it had been a very long time since they had run a building anywhere near that size, and with mostly their own talent, they were able to draw eight or nine thousand in a, a ten to twelve thousand seat building and and produce a couple of very memorable matches. So it's across the board, there have been good things. It's just that. Uh, one of the problems is there's so many damn promotions. That's something we've talked about in quite a bit this year. And it's in Hase, Hase being on that show and that being the retirement gig, that helped out that card. And the thing people will probably forget about too, which is too bad, is that the card of the year was in NOAA this year. I, I think yeah. internationally, I think March 5th was, by leaps and bounds, the best card of the year for professional wrestling anywhere. Yeah, you had you had... Quite a few good matches. Obviously, everybody talks about Misawa and Morishima as being a very impo- a very good match and a very important match. But you also had Tawe and Marafuji, which I know we talked about that extensively, Mike. That might have been one of my two or three favorite matches of the year and probably about the best 13-minute match you're going to see. Yeah, that was my really my guilty pleasure 
you know, match of the year. Yeah, obviously, I, I don't know what I would pick ahead of that, but as far as, like, when you vote in the Observer newsletter, and I don't know, I always make my third pick, a pick that, you know, somebody I just like for whatever reason. And that Marufuji Tally match was awesome. And then you had the Kenta Kenta match was on there, which was absolutely something else, especially, and this is what I forgot to bring up too, especially because of what happened to Kobashi. That match, is, it looks even, will look even better in retrospect if Kobashi doesn't come back. And even if he does come back, people aren't going to expect him to be the same. So that, that match that we questioned how it ended because you go in, well, where do they go from here? You know, where exactly do they go from here with Kenta and those two facing off again? Now if they never face off again, that was the perfect way to end it. And then there was a couple, there was a couple other matches on there too, I think, that were actually really good. It was Kanemaru and Sugiera against Tadaka and Fujita, which is another one of my great guilty pleasures. That was an awesome match too, and that was all on one card. And that was before they forgot that they had a junior division. Exactly. And Hidaka and Fujita, I don't know, my guilty pleasure choice for tag team of the year, which you know, apparently in the Tokyo Sports Awards, Voodoo Murderers won. Mm. You know what would be an awesome compilation tape? It would be like the first three matches of every Budokan show during the year. <laughs> so you could get all your Izu and all your Inoue and everyone else that it just makes life worth living. Well, in, I really Eddie Edwards? <laughs> Eddie Edwards? I mean, the story of the year to me... Was Wild Wade Chisholm. <laughs> I mean, everybody talks about Brian Danielson coming in on this last tour, tearing things up, you know, making a good reputation for Ring of Honor in Japan. But when you've got a Wild Wade Chisholm dropping the fall to, you know, the worst student in all of pro wrestling, Noah, and that's that's some good shit right there. Ipe Ota? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He had to build him for that big match with Shiga, though, for the yeah. very important, prestigious, hardcore open weight title. <laughs> You know, I was going to start with uh, Apache Pro, do this alphabetically, but let's uh, let's, <laughs> let's let's talk some pro wrestling, Noah. Let's, um, I mean, as you said, the the biggest and saddest story of the year had to be Kenokobashi is being diagnosed with cancer. Uh, you know, arguably the best wrestler of his generation, and one of my favorites of all time. And, and you can really tell something was missing in Noah this year, the latter half, without him around. Especially what a dominating presence he'd been, especially his two years as GHC champ. I would. I don't know if you want to take that first, Mike, or if you want me to, but I would say that, obviously, as you said, by far one of the saddest stories of the year, and what it's done is it's really exposed some of the deficiencies in Noah's booking and the fact that, and this is something we just talked about this past week quite extensively, that with really Kobashi and Misawa being the only two guys who you can really use to put people over, to where it'll actually elevate them to any sort of accepted heavyweight, you know, top status, that it, it's a very tenuous position for Noah. Kobashi obviously can't do that. They're going to try to do that with Misawa, as he, as we definitely complained about, just beat Marafuji for the GHC title. But it's not as if Misawa's health is very good at all. So it, it it's been very interesting to see, as you said, that how, how much has been missing from Noah in Kobashi's absence. That's why I think, though, that they're making a mistake. It's not a critical mistake, but I think it's a mistake with Kobashi out and the fact that you were able to get Marafuji. I mean, Marafuji is an MVP candidate. Whether you would vote him for, you know, wrestler of the year or not is up for grabs, but he is a true MVP candidate. And for how he's come along this year, and granted, yeah, he didn't draw huge with his match with Kenta, 
in the, I knew as soon as they announced the Masawa, you know, he was going to be his next opponent. You knew something bad was probably going to happen if you were a Marafuji fan. But they probably should have left him as champion because then you would have had Marafuji and Morishima. And I know Adam disagrees with me on this, but instead of trying to make a star by having him go over Masawa, I don't think that's necessary. I think you can put him over Masawa separately, Morishima that is, and not have to worry about Marafuji taking the title off of him. A match between those two, I think, would have done more to say we have two young stars now. And I think you, there was a way for that match to come out where Marafuji retained the belt because, one, Morishima was not ready for it, and, two, again, there's no reason to take it off Marafuji because he can have a good match with anyone. So I think they're making a mistake there as far as, like, the star building goes. As far as you have to go through Masawa, and he has to go through him for the title. I don't know. It just makes everything look bad, although... In Noah's defense, the failure of Rikio as champion. From what all we know, Rikio should have still been champion right now. Maybe they had that much faith in him, and that's what they were building towards. But obviously, the way he failed so miserably as champion, that may have had something to do with how this whole path is taken. Well, and his failure as champion was by no means only his fault. I mean, no. you, look, you look at his title reign, he comes off the, the huge win, uh, ending Kobashi's legendary title reign, and he defends against Akatoshi Saito at Budokan Hall. Not exactly the way that you want to get a, a title reign off and running. And it never it never really picked up from there. He had the, the disaster of a match against Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome. He had a, a very, very average match where he went over a, a less-than-motivated Misawa, and it, the rain was just, it was never there, and it seems like since then Noah has been scuffling. I mean, you have, you had Tawe's title reign, which was pretty much transitional. Yeah, you, that was, yeah, that was obviously done because they need to get the belt off. Talk about a Lifetime Achievement Award, but that's what it yeah. was what it was. And then you, you move the belt over to Akiyama, who... Uh, Akiyama being what he is now and the fact that he, he started his title reign with pretty bad ribs that he, his reign never really got going. He transitioned the belt to Marafuji where I, I know, and Mike, you mentioned that I, I disagree somewhat in terms of thinking that, yeah, Morishima does need to go over either Masao or Kobashi for the title, but I definitely am in agreement with you that there's no way that Masao should have beaten Marafuji at this point. It's just... And especially after having watched the match, it's it just incredibly frustrating to see how great Marafuji was again in the match and see how broken down Masawa is and still you know, the end result was what it was. I just watched that match uh, tonight actually before before the show. I surprised how big of a gut Misawa had. <laughs> I, I like to call Marashi. He, he's, <laughs> he is a large, large man who is making no effort to be any less large. I'm like, why is he bringing a barrel into the ring? I'm like, oh, that's just his gut. I'm sorry. I'm like, that's silly. Oh, no, that's just... Yeah, and... Um... A pair of green tights holding on for dear life. <laughs> and he has to pull those trunks up. You could fucking hit him with the burning hammer off the top of the Sears Tower, and as his head hit, he would be making sure those trunks were over his belly button so you didn't see that barrel. <laughs> what did you think of the match uh, overall? Just on just on the basis of uh, match quality and not booking decisions. Match quality wise, I thought it was it was a, a slightly above average Noah main event style match. The the thing that I thought was most most notable was that just in terms of who's dominating the action, it was Marafuji the whole match. I don't think it's uh it's an overstatement to say that Marafuji carried Masawa, 
Masao was able to hold up his end of the bargain, which was basically to get hope spots throughout the match and then make the, uh, the short spurt comeback at the end and uh, hit the Emerald Fusion, Frozen, whatever you want to call it, off the top for the win. But I, I thought that Marafuji looked absolutely phenomenal, as he has all year. Yeah, I thought it was a good uh, a good match, probably a little shy of great, but um, it's always lucky Marafuji's small. He can, he can kind of throw him around, do tiger drives that look good, and I shudder to think when uh, he has to try one on uh, Morishima in his state, because uh, that's just going to be ugly. But, now, um, I've only seen the first five minutes of it. I intended on watching it in full tonight, didn't get a chance to, because Fight Night ended up coming on. Got a little sidetracked there, but I will say this. is <laughs> Masawa is old, but he did try, he did work his ass off, at least in the, in the beginning, at least from what I've seen. Oh, he did. So, it, but God, he looks old. And that doesn't help the, the cause anymore either. I mean, it, what if Kabachi doesn't come back? <laughs> then they're they're screwed. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. And what if they? And what have they done? And now you got Masao. Who do you think he can do that? You know, five more times in the next year. I, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, if you look at his his 2006, really the only times he was he's been able to bring it was the match with Morishima and the match with Marafuji. And the thing that worries me is the matches, the big matches where he went over big singles matches, he looked great in, he put a huge effort, but when you think about the last the last big singles match that he put somebody else over, which was Rikio, it, it was a less than inspired effort. So if I'm Morishima and if I know I'm getting the belt, A, uh, off of uh, the first title defense of Masao, which isn't exactly a strong way to win the belt, I'd also be a little bit concerned that Masao might not exactly be bringing the same game that he would be if he was going over. Well, on the uh, Marafuji title win, do you think this was any kind of uh, a breakthrough? Well, will we look back at this as a turning point or just an anomaly? Or will Japan always be dominated by by the more by the heavyweight wrestlers? I think. I, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was say, I think time is going to tell what, what's going to happen there. I don't know. I'd like to congratulate Noah for that aspect. It's one thing I, I tried to do is the fact that they even gave Marafuji a shot at this. Yeah, I think on the fifth, that showed what they wanted to do with Kenta and Marafuji and what they thought about him. And even if this was just a temporary thing that was planned all along and it didn't have anything to do with how Marafuji drew, you know, drew or anything like that, and they just wanted to give him the belt, I mean, I think that worked out incredibly well. It proved a smaller guy. It just put a smaller guy in the spotlight. I mean, obviously not, you know, they have been in the spotlight. Kenta and Marafuji have been tag team the year several times over. You know, people have seen him in singles matches against bigger guys, but I think it really pushed him over the top. Now, what they do with him after this, which is my biggest concern, I think that's what's going to tell. But you know, they didn't—they didn't have to give him a win over Tawei, but they did. Yeah, you know, they didn't have to give him the win over Akiyama, but they did. I mean, Akiyama could have held on to the belt until Misawa. I mean, we would have bitched about it, but that could have happened. But instead, they wanted to put Marafuji up there. He got to go and defend the title in ROH which is the first time it was defended outside of Japan. So I think it was, I don't know, I think this was a great year for the smaller guys, especially Marafuji and Noah, to a point, at least when it comes to those two guys, it was a, a really good year for them, and I think it was a breakthrough. Now what happens after this, time's going to tell. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I, I think just from an in-ring perspective, the most impressive thing about Marafuji in 2006 is that when you watch him wrestle a heavyweight, 
you don't sit there and think, oh, there's Marafuji and he's a junior heavyweight. He he's found a way to trick you into believing once once you get a few minutes into a match of his against a heavyweight, you don't you're not thinking he's six inches taller and fifty pounds lighter. And maybe the most surprising thing is that he seems to be a more convincing heavyweight than Kenta. And I think for I think a lot so. of people Yeah, exactly. They would not have thought that, but his style, which is really in a lot of ways, a less broken down and more dynamic version of the year 2000 and forward Keiji Muto style, it's really served him well. The other thing I also want to mention is that if you're talking about the juniors and their rise in 2006, you also have to talk about New Japan and the push that Koji Kanemoto got in the G1 tournament. That that can't be overlooked either. Well, yeah, the juniors' love for Noah actually stays with Kenta and Marafuji, because they really didn't do much for anybody else this no, year at all. No. In in the process of elevating Kenta and Marafuji to being heavyweights, they have basically completely deserted the junior heavyweight division, and have only recently, in the last few weeks, it seems, even remembered that they have either the tag or singles junior belts. Uh, on the um, Kenta Marafuji Budokan match, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was that the only time, and I, I guess uh, I guess the Rikyo uh, Saito match would count, but is that one of the only times where they've had a, a Budokan main event where both of the participants weren't guys who made their name in All Japan previously? Who weren't holdover stars? Or at least one of the guys wasn't a holdover from, from All Japan. Yeah, I, I would say that that's, that's very accurate, and that's one of the issues that we've talked about before, is that it seems like the Noah fan base right now, for all their attempts to push the younger guys, like Marafuji, like Kenton, like Morishima, they still want to see those established former All Japan guys that you mentioned. That was evidenced by the fact that the crowd was firmly in support of Misawa in his match with Marafuji. So that's, so that's something that Noah has to be very concerned about. And the other thing they've got to be concerned about with the Budokan Hall shows that you've mentioned is that they have to put on strong undercards. Uh, when, yeah. you critis- when people criticize the attendance for the Kenta Marafuji Budokan Hall show and say that, that that proved that juniors can't draw, that's only a piece of the puzzle because that undercard was atrocious. That was an undercard that would have looked weak by Kirk and Hall standards and was by far the weakest undercard that, that I would say either Noah or All Japan has produced at that building. So... It, it, that's something that's very important now as, as compared to before. I honestly believe that they could be further ahead and far more in just blowing the doors off of every other promotion in Japan, but I, they just they act like sometimes they don't want to. And they're right to a point because they can go, well, look at our business plan. You, you know, they may say it's paid by numbers, but we still draw houses. You know, we're still the most successful thing by far. We have our TV in, in Canada and in Britain. But with that being said, yeah, they haven't mixed up enough on, with the juniors on the undercards. They, they stick them in six-man, just interchangeable six-man and tag matches. Their undercards are truly paid by numbers. You know, six-man match here, you know, tag team match here, and just loads, it loads those things up with guys who are interchangeable, and it stinks. And it doesn't show any really, you know, any thought or vision, and they can't complain about not being able to build stars. People are conditioned to, yeah, obviously they want Misawa and they want Kobashi. Everybody wants those guys, and everybody likes seeing them. But they have to do more in making those people want to see other people. If Kobashi doesn't come back, I mean, Misawa's at the end. Takayama's, you know, even if they bring him in, 
which is shameful to me if they do, but obviously they're going to. Suzuki, all these other guys, they're on the way out. You have to give these people a reason to care about the newer guys who are coming up. I mean, at least in New Japan, they're giving you a reason to care about Yamamoto. In All Japan, they're giving you a reason to care about um, Shiozaki. Or not Shiozaki, but... Suwama. Uh, Suwama. Even if, you, even if you think he's a lazy piece of shit like a lot of people do, Suwama's been built up. He's been built up pretty well in All Japan. and Because uh, they, they have to do it. And yeah. that's where Noah's resting on their laurels, and they should just completely be blowing the doors off anybody else. We shouldn't even be talking about any other promotion, but they, they open that door. And you know, just to let other guys slide in, they should, this shouldn't even be a question about Noah. But because of the undercards and because of not being able to, to make stars, or at least right now, and to give people a reason to really care about these other guys, they're painting themselves into a big-time corner. And one, one other thing, and then I, I will stop monopolizing the show, Joe. I, I want to mention with Noah... The fact that it, there there is a a perception that Noah is far on away in terms of attendance, the top promotion in Japan and in Tokyo that's true. But when you get outside of Tokyo onto some of the smaller smaller shows, you know, throughout the tour and some of the non non Tokyo areas, their attendance has been hurting over the past two or three tours. Whereas all Japan and particularly New Japan, New Japan does very well outside of Tokyo. So. When you're looking at that, you have to look beyond just the biggest area in the country. All right. I want to say, when I, when I watched that, that match tonight, and all those people chanted for Misawa, I just wanted to just slap all of them. Just be like, <laughs> I mean, he's Misawa's closer to doing spit spots in the opening match than he is to <laughs> should be the main eventing or carrying a promotion. But that's... <sighs> when he even was doing that earlier this year, that's what makes it more frustrating Three months ago, either three or four months ago at Kirk and Hall, he was involved in a uh, what could basically be described as a comedy tag match, where he was he was doing you know sort of spots mocking his little face wipe and all the other sort of idiosyncrasies that he's had throughout his career. He, he seemed like he was on his way to doing those type of matches, and then three or four months later, all of a sudden he's back to being you know Kings Road Royal Road Misawa you know <laughs> running roughshod. So it's it's I, I share your uh, your aggravation with with everybody who wanted to see Masao get the belt. Well, well in, with the belt, he can keep his pants up now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Maybe that was the whole key. Is that you know he needs a belt, and when you're a man of his stature, I guess he wanted the biggest belt possible. I don't know. I can't blame the fans for chanting for Masao. Just you know, give them a reason to care about Yone. Say they can all like you know hide <laughs> yes. his hair one night, like you know, winning fan. You can like pull something magic out of Yone's hair or something. He's got like a nest of birds in there. You ever notice that? <laughs> yes, and he's gonna have a collection of title belts in there too. I think I think we're the only two people, Mike, that actually like Yone. I like Yone. Well, then I we got, got to see, I got to see him live this year. Not not wrestling, but I got to see the fro in person. <sighs> How was it? How was I? I've always it wondered. Was a, it was a. It was um, dare I say uh, it was a dangerous rapture. <laughs> very very true. Hey, Mike, I got a question for you. Uh huh. What was your favorite moment from the uh, Jun Akiyama title reign this year? <laughs> Him losing it. <laughs> what? What about what about the the wacky match with Minoru Suzuki or the uh, or the mid card tournament to headline Budokan? <laughs> it was great. You, Mike, you mean you don't you're not one of the people, and I'm certainly not one of them either, that thinks that Masao Inoue is a possible wrestler of the year candidate because he actually had one or two matches that didn't absolutely suck. 
suck. <laughs> I don't know. So you mentioned your boy there who did win MVP. Uh, that about... came with Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> yes, yes. The man who you used to call a backyarder, and he is now... <laughs> he owns the business, which, by the way, Minoru Suzuki, after being named MVP of 2006, said that he wants to defend the Triple Crown against Kenta Kobashi. It'll probably, it's probably about as likely as, and I've mentioned this before on our show, it's probably about as likely as the rumor a couple years ago of Randy Orton wrestling Hiroshi Tanahashi at SummerSlam, <laughs> but it may happen. Did he mean like, well, Kobashi's undergoing chemo or something like that? Because that would make him the world's worst man. <laughs> he pretty much is. <laughs> I could see him stealing, stealing away the treatment from Kobashi. He's oh. like that. Oh, by the way, Adam, I liked how when you said, um, on yesterday's show, you, you were stating how Jun Akiyama should have beaten Kobashi back at the Dome a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Because now, unlike Misawa, he's not broken down. And unlike Kobashi, he does not have cancer. I thought that's expert analysis. <laughs> I, I had to dig deep to uh, to go, get those stats. So it's a very Tanay-like moment for me. I'm glad I don't say anything that low down. <laughs> but yeah, this coming from Mike Sempervivi, the guy who... Uh, basically made the foundation of the first three or four months of the show by making fun of Matt Hamill being deaf. <laughs> That's not true. Hmm. Not true at all. But Adam was right about one thing. Akiyama should have won that belt. <laughs> well, what can you do? Anyway, uh, Noah decided just plain old Noah wasn't enough. They needed a brand extension. Yeah. He was pro wrestling sem. On a uh, pink mat! <laughs> yeah, this, this became a trend, as you said. New Japan begat... WrestleLand and Lockup, and Dragon Gate just started their own little thing called uh, NEX. Next, I guess. Uh, yeah, but they, all, because there aren't enough promotions. No, no there is, aren't. There definitely, you can't forget Kensuke Office coming up with their three-match show. Great. Hey, do you know where uh, Pro Wrestling Sem, where that name came from? Some some Bible stuff, right? Yes, in the, in the Bible, Sem was Noah's son. Eh, eh. And, and Masao was pregnant, so it all goes together. <laughs> the version <Right>. Masao? <laughs> so, um, yeah, Sam. I don't don't it, know why, but uh, they decided just Noah wasn't enough. And it's been better than Noah. If you want to, if you want to see the best Noah shows of 2006 outside of that uh, that 3506 Budokan Hall show, get all the Sam shows. You, you actually get to see singles matches. Well, yeah, that's true. And some of them you don't want to see, but, you know, we got Voodoo Murderers <laughs> running around on a pig mat, so it couldn't have been all bad. I guess so. Hey, who was your favorite uh, Noah rookie this year that was running around? I'll take that one first, Mike, only because of my, my unnatural yet completely heterosexual love for Atsushi Aoki. Uh, that would be the guy who wears the blue trunks for, for wow. anybody who isn't completely up to date on it. <laughs> He he actually reminds me a lot of Akiyama when Akiyama was first coming up in All Japan where he does not seem like a rookie at all. He stands out from the the very, very, very green other students. You have Ota who wears yellow and beats Wild Wade Chisholm <laughs> and is just bad and strange looking in terms of his build. <laughs> and then Taniguchi who he's got size and he kind of looks like a young Izuka from New Japan, but it's going to be five years before he's even at Goshiyazaki's level, which is sadly basically nothing right now. So how far I, will he be? How far until he actually, you know, reaches the level of a man who was the true rookie of the year this year in Razor Ramon Hargay? <laughs> I don't acknowledge that, Mike. 
I do not acknowledge the uh, the existence of of hustle blasphemers getting. Uh, isn't that hustle getting the rookie of the year two years in a row? Didn't Yinling rock that uh, that award last year? I voted for. I know you did. <laughs> I don't think it had anything to do with that award, though. Your vote. Well, who uh, wore the yellow trunks again? That would be a pay Ota. Ota. I just saw, I just saw the, the the Budokan where Takayama made his return match, and uh, I think someone played a rib on Young Oda because his uh, his trunks were about two sizes too big, and <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Sawa was coaching him on pulling up your uh, <laughs> tights during, and this is this was training or, or a lesson. I don't know, but perhaps a rib played on the young man. <laughs> very diapery, very diapery. <laughs> oh, yeah, very upsetting. It's um. Especially after seeing uh, Abdullah Kobayashi, who looks like a giant baby in Big Japan. The best, don't, the best don't moment. Bring that up. The best moment in Japanese professional wrestling in 2006 <laughs> was Abdullah Kobayashi versus, versus the Octopus. The octopus. <laughs> yes, that is in so many ways, and it wasn't just the match itself. It was the presentation, the fact that they played the entrance music, that they had a the usual graphic for Kobayashi, but also the graphic and stats for the Octopus. Money. The fact that as the octopus was being gutted, there was a, a looked like a small class of children there. It, it was big Japan deathmatch. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it really it is the promotion for children. Sure. It's rock and wrestling for a new generation. I just like the the fact we after we talked about that we got a, an email from like the octopus or the octopi <laughs> headquarters. Why gave this whole page long breakdown of this is what not and this was serious and it freaked me the fuck out. Yeah, I didn't was, know there was an octopus foundation. And I, I, even stranger, that was probably the first indication we had that anybody listened. Good point. I like how this this match had actual death and cannibalism, and uh, <laughs> stabbing someone with a knife apparently counts for a TKO according to the these stats. But yes, I just watched ten hours of Big Japan and uh, am much the better for it. It has you been sure good about this that? year. Yeah, that's, sometimes <laughs> you, when there's like uh, when uh, Benkai is in there, the big the, the that bald guy, in the, uh, the gi, who is um, who had a, like a 15 minute tag match, which thank God I only saw like five minutes of. But um, there's some good guys running around there. Yeah, it, I'm sorry, I, go I, ahead. I, I still don't know how Men's Teo ended up there. I, <laughs> I've never gotten an answer for this. No, I, I, it doesn't make much sense. He's he he has acquired a few scars, but I wouldn't exactly call him the. Uh, uh, a deathmatch expert, but Big Japan has been. I've been trying to convince Mike of this actually that it's been fairly solid. It, if you're going to watch death matches, I'd rather watch death matches where the guys are are somewhat competent wrestlers, as opposed to at least the majority of American deathmatch wrestlers where it's uh it's kind of touch and go in terms of if they can take a bump or not. You didn't get to see the uh, Kawasaki double bridge, double ring, double ring death match, did you? Yes, I did. Yes. Oh, for Christ's sake! How the fuck did you two not find each other before now? <laughs> I don't know. We need a, a website or something for wrestling fans. <laughs> Big Japan and UI Station. And oh man, <laughs> that UI Station show has to air, if only because my boy Manorexic Shibata against the Hawaiian <laughs> Lion. I need to see that. I need to see Brian Danielson, a uh, Hayato Junior Fujita. I, I need to see it. I'm still crying over the death of uh, of Big Mouth Loud. Truly sad. Mm. Mike is uh, heartbroken as well. Oh uh, well, you know why? Well, not giving a shit sort of way. So he obviously he didn't mess up uh, Young Lion too bad because I think he wrestled the next night somewhere. The Hawaiian Lion did so. 
And you say we're watching obscure stuff. You know the uh, the itinerary of the Hawaiian line, Mike. Well, I pick things up as I go along, you know. Yeah, and it's kind of odd the things that you pick up. But these things, these lions. are important to think uh, to people. Sure, or things. Yeah. Speaking of young lions, uh, it's probably time to discuss New Japan. <laughs> yes. Somebody actually way. wants to talk New Japan. I'm very impressed, Joe. Now, now, when I read my Observer, that that jerk Dave Meltzer always goes on about how New Japan's dying, but I look at Stuart Max's website, he says business is picking up. Who's right here? It's probably somewhere in between, but it, Stu Max is correct in his reporting that the last couple tours, attendance has been up uh, pretty much in every venue they've been running. They just ran a show on December 10th, actually the same day as that Big Noah show, Drew 9,500 people in Aichi, which is a lot more than they've drawn uh, at any point in the uh, the recent past. And it's actually, the product is getting better and there's more interest. Uh, the return of Nakamura has sparked quite a bit of interest. And they're also going the, the All Japan route with some crazy stable warfare. Uh, no Bariquas, but still good stable. <laughs> I think the, the, the reason why... Some would say it would be dying. It's just the fact that you stock price, and you've seen what's happened with it. I mean, there was even a rumor not long ago about Inoki buying out the company back. Which would I, have been just about the worst thing in professional wrestling. Absolutely. That would have been and a Cho- dangerous rapture. Choshu won't, won't get enough credit for this year either. He, which he should. He definitely should. If there's uh, somebody who will not be in any sort of contention uh, for Booker of the Year but deserves consideration, it's Ricky Choshu. He, he definitely does. Now, I guess we should talk about Brock Lesnar. Uh, uh, do we have why? to? Your friend and mine. So this segment will be about ten minutes. We'll build to a point, and then at that point, we'll f- pretty much forget everything that it built to, and then we'll just finish. You know, Brock was in the top ten of the, the PWI 500. So I don't know why you're ragging on him so bad. Well, it's like, didn't Masawa, like, consistently get the three? Or was that Muda? There was always the Japanese, like, the Japanese guy would be, like, third through fifth. Like, every yeah, time. Kobashi would always Kobashi, be right around fifth. Yeah. And then, like, 366 would be, like, Hase or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right know. behind, like, like King Kalua. And then yeah. you'd have right next to that Masahiro Chono. Right ahead of, like, Mr. Like, Ooh La La. Doug Gilbert. <laughs> hey, Doug Gilbert deserved to be there. I don't want to hear oh, okay. any of that. Dark Patriot, come on. <laughs> I just like the way he shot on Lawler during that interview. Jerry Lawler, you raped a 13-year-old girl. All right, I think we'll finish the break. Stage. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Where were we? Um... Brock Lesnar. Lesnar. Oh, oh. Miserable failure. And that's put it. And the, really, the most disappointing part of that was like, if he even looked like he gave a shit, he gave half a shit, it would have been fine. I mean, you could tell his head is not into anything. Certainly wasn't into this. If you ever thought of a, a guy just did it for the money, I mean, you could. Akabono only does it for the money, but you see him out there trying to have a good time. Bob Sapp, same thing, did it for the money, but at least he, obviously he couldn't do anything, but at least he played up the role. Brock Lesnar, I was one of the guys who thought it was a really great idea to put the belt on him. What a just absolute failure, disaster, and just taking money and pissing it right down the toilet. 
the craziest part is that if anybody would have would have told you two years ago that the former A Train, now Giant Bernard, would become a much more believable and credible wrestler in Japan than Brock Lesnar, I, I think anybody would have said that you're just completely full of it. But that's exactly what happened. If if the push that had been given to Brock Lesnar would have been given to Giant Bernard, I think it would have been a, an even better year for New Japan because you sure as hell wouldn't have had a situation where Brock Lesnar pulls out of a title defense against Hiroshi Tanahashi, essentially because he's been asked to job to him and didn't want to, work visa issues, whatever you want to believe, which then leads you to have yet another tournament in New Japan. And it's, it wasn't as if Tanahashi needed any more help in terms of not being taken seriously. That, uh, that didn't do any favors for him either. Mm. And Mike likes his haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I think you pretty much said it all right there because you were exactly right about Bernard and the fact that the people respond to Bernard. Oh yeah, which is another thing. People, I don't know if it, I don't know how the layman looks at seeing a train in Japan and what they must think. If you're thinking about Bull Buchanan or Tomko, it's exactly what you think. But Bernard has been an absolute standout, and he had the, what was it the Tanahashi match? The Tanahashi match and the the match with Yuji Nagata. Might we got it. That's right. Which was yep. that was really good. That might be the most underrated match, uh, whether it be the U.S. or Japan, in 2006. It was the uh, it was the finals of the New Japan Cup, which is basically a uh, a watered down single elimination spring version of the G1 tournament. But just a, a phenomenal match that showed that that Bernard is uh, he can definitely work that style. And the good thing is he doesn't seem like he wants to leave anytime soon. No, it was a, that was May, like May 6th, wasn't it? Uh, either May, it was late late April or early May. Hmm. Well, let's speak of uh, of young Tanahashi, the IWGP champ. How's he doing right now? Better than he was a few months ago, but still, it, it, it's a tough situation, but again, it's something where Choshu's booking is helping. Uh, when you look at both Nakamura and Tanahashi, Nakamura doesn't need the belt, he, he's got that aura, he's got that presence, he's got a, a dynamic personality, even if he's not necessarily a great promo. Whereas Tanahashi is a guy who he struggled for acceptance the last couple of years from the New Japan fans, and he needs a he needs a strong but still believable title reign. And what I mean by that is he needs to get big wins, but it can't be Tanahashi being some sort of dominating monster. They've got to play to his strengths, which is basically he gets his ass kicked, uh, the crowd gets sympathetic towards him. He makes big comebacks, and then he hits a few big moves and wins. He's very good at that formula, but he, he has not learned yet how to dominate a match. But much to Choshu's credit, he, he's booked into his strengths and, and avoided his weaknesses. Yeah, at least his girlfriend hasn't stabbed him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, the beginning of a pretty bad time for uh, young Tanahashi. You know, I was debating whether to make a, a joke about that, and I thought, nah. But uh, thanks, Mike. You, um, hey, you took the, care of that for me. I Have would not did... fall over shocked if I heard somebody from that who deals with that company say that someone doesn't still hold that against him. Oh, uh, yeah. I would not be surprised at all either. As bizarre as that sounds on the outside. Yeah. yeah that from... sounds rather bizarre, but... It, but... He was extremely shamed over that whole situation. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's still something in the back of somebody's mind. I don't know if they did him any favors either by having him in Russellland, which Adam and I disagree on that too. But especially what's coming up, I mean, he's, there's he's facing Milano Collection AT on a Russellland card, whereas the next night in the same building 
He's not even scheduled to be on it, is he? No, he's in a what I guess would be described as a fairly meaningless tag, tag match. match. Yeah, yeah, it's it's him and Nakanishi against Nagata and Yamamoto, which is yeah. which will be your garden variety fifteen minute good but not meaningful tag match. And, and Mike's correct in that uh, Tanashi and Milano Collection AT on the surface, it, it obviously should be on the main brand. I guess the only argument would be that. It's been one of the top feuds in WrestleLand, but again, it's been the top feud in WrestleLand, which means nobody's really seen it. Yeah, which means the fact they put him in a position to be the top feud in WrestleLand, which is I, I again, everybody tried something new this year, New Japan splitting into these three promotions. I just wish sometimes they would just, you know, how about putting it all back into one and just concentrate on one? You see how it's working after WWE. It's a completely different situation, though. I mean, oh, it's different. When you say that there's when you said they're splitting it up into three different promotions, it's it's really not that at all. You've got the New Japan side, which is running full-time, and you've got these WrestleLand shows, which are maybe once a month, and it's basically a side project for a bunch of guys to do wacky gimmicks. And you've got Lockup, which hasn't run in a few months, and is basically all that is is Ricky Pro, which was Choshu's indie, <laughs> with the New Japan stamp on it. And it, it's been almost a de facto pro wrestling sem for them where guys get the chance to work a little bit and you, you throw in some wacky indie guys on there. I mean, it's it's not ideal, but it's I don't consider it anywhere near as much of a dilution as the, the WWE brand extension. Which No, because guys are still working, all of them. It's just that, you know, how about putting your efforts behind one thing? Yeah. One thing that you that has been, you know, teetering back and forth between pretty good and hideously awful for the past couple of years, all through self-doing. So... Yeah. I don't know. I just, my faith is a little bit shaky in the direction this goes, and then just the Tanahashi thing even more, and the fact that I just hate the promotion because Adam likes it and dislikes Hustle when they yes. are basically trying to. They started the thing basically to be Hustle. We're gonna have a good time. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be wacky wrestling, sports entertainment. Well, yeah, Hustle pretty much had that market cornered. Not at least me, in my mind they did, and in fact, in your mind they should. No. I, I actually, this year, I attempted to sit through and watch a whole Hustle show, watched a, a Hustle House show, and that was pretty much all the Hustle I ever need to see. So, uh, on this WrestleLand and Lockup, like, are these just kind of different small ventures to maybe attract new fans and then try to get them hooked on New Japan? It, it just seems odd. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how they announced it was... They were looking to expand out and get back into to people's minds, and we're going to have a little bit for everybody. Is kind of how it was, where you know you would see, it was the Gaspers, a, a New Japan team that no one would have ever thought of, and I guess teamed for a little bit in was it the eighties or the nineties, early nineties, and they brought them back out, and there was just these wacky people got kidnapped, and it was just over the top. <laughs> it happens. It's and then to see them and then to see them in New Japan mode like the next day and you know they're they're sitting there posing next to each other for a photo op. It was just it was uh, I don't know maybe something got lost in translation, but it seems to be just very very odd. From what I can, uh, oh go ahead. I was just gonna say just real quick. From what I can tell, I, I do agree with Mike that it it's very weird to see guys in, in one gimmick and then back in, in their normal New Japan get up the next night. I think, if anything, it, it's them throwing two completely different things as opposite events of the spectrum as they can uh, up against the wall with, with the two splinter groups and just kind of seeing which one gets the better reaction. 
and maybe incorporating more of whichever one does into the main brand. And I, I, I hate the whole idea of calling it a brand, but... But it, it shows kind of their own obvious limitations. If you can't do that in one company, you can't fiddle and fool with something on your own show, so you have to create something different to see if to try to gauge the reaction that way. Didn't the uh, Mackay Club come back on one of these? <laughs> oh, Mackay number three, number six, number two. No, there might have been a 50 in there. Mackay okay. Ray Cobra made a return even. Today, lock up tomorrow, the world. Uh, stolen viciously from those uh, hustle vampires flying around. Or no possibly other, Vianos. No other company has El Purpose. That's all I know. Uh, <laughs> El Purpose against El Generico. we got to book that. <laughs> I'm all for it. Speaking of favorites, how's my uh, old favorite Yuji Nagata doing this year? Oh, <laughs> go ahead. Until tread, tread water, no one wants to answer this. No, he's... no. This, me and Mike actually caught a bunch of flack for this... Uh, we, over hey, on the board. Say, lady, right, we, we like Nagata, we like Kojima. Yeah, we pretty much, it's been funny, most of the guys that we like seem to, uh, and even Marfuji, seem to get a lot of shit from people, but Nagata, I, I don't know about you, Mike, I actually think this has been Nagata's best year since the whole Crow Cop incident. It, well, I don't know, I thoroughly enjoyed his title reign. You know where he was kind of where the, he was kind of going through guys there and the, the wherever it was the, the eleven title defenses or whatever it was. I don't think it was better than that, but I think he just had a really good strong year where he didn't get hurt. And I don't mean you know physically this, the booking didn't drop him down or put him down at all. It's the same complaint you can make about Tenzon and Nakanishi too, who by the way had a quietly a really good year too and probably yeah. attracted. Talk about a guy who is people around the backs for. I'd never thought he would be even considered again a threat for the IWGP title, but I think sooner or later you're going to have to really seriously consider him. And that's the problem. That whole It's funny, the, all three of those guys that you mentioned, that's that generation. It's that New Japan generation of guys along with Kojima that New Japan really has never had the faith outside of Nagata's one title run. They've never had the faith in those guys to truly carry the company. And they've never really given them the big wins over the established guys that they need to do that. But you're right, Nakanishi, of all people, has been ridiculously popular this year. And there was actually a fan poll earlier this year when New Japan was really trying to get a gauge of their fan base. And they said that the wrestler they wanted to see as the ace of the company was Manabu Nakanishi. Good old Kurosawa himself. Yeah, I didn't mean to take it away from Nagata either, but you know Nagata and Tanahashi from earlier on in the year. You know, that, that was a really good match as well. Not as good as the Bernard match, but that was a really good match as well. Yeah, every time those guys those guys lock up is usually, at, at the very least, a good match. Yeah, and then he he's kind of, was it, was it Yamamoto he kind of had the tag thing with? Yeah, they had uh, the whole sort of teacher-student relationship, and they had a yeah. the very good tag title challenge against uh, Chono and Tenzan, about actually the only... Better than decent match Chono and Tenzon had as a tag team this year. Yeah, Chono had it all this year. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, including the uh, the epic war with Simon Anoki, which has resulted in some <laughs> kick-ass T-shirts <laughs> and, and a picture of Simon like with the shitty glasses on, giving himself the RVD pose. <laughs> yeah, the Christian glasses. There would just be a sadder, mousier looking man than that. Just what a sorry ass human being he is. <laughs> well. 
I mean, all right, I don't know him personally, but it just looks that way. No, I think you're pretty pathetic. safe in that assumption. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't feel too bad. Uh, let's see. Back when Mike was on the show, and uh, over the summer we talked G1, and um, I don't think the prospect of Tenzon winning ever came up, but uh, how'd this play out? Go ahead and say exactly how you planned it, Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this this was uh, right in the midst of a, a string of predictions that I had uh, that I got right, and I know Mike Mike was quite upset about, but it not at the, all. The, <laughs> the booking of the G1 this year was it, it was really interesting because you were coming off the heels of the Brock Lesnar title reign that that ended in a very bizarre way. You had a, a one night tournament about a month before the G1 where. A lot of people were calling for the G1 itself to be the title tournament. They didn't want that, that extra tournament a month earlier. But as it played out, it became obvious why the G1 wasn't for the title, because Tanahashi really had a bad G1. It, it was not really the way to, to <laughs> at least at the time, the way we thought to start off his title reign. He, he lost to Kojima, and, and surprisingly, that match has not, that, that job has not yet been returned. I know... We had expected that coming out of the G1 and going into the uh, the 1-4 show with this All Japan, New Japan participation, that might be the way to get Tanahashi's win over Kojima, but that's obviously not going to happen. And, and the whole tournament really ended up being the story of Ten Koji, uh, them being in the same tournament again and them battling in the final. Yeah, give Kojima points for this year, too. Yes, yes. Kojima definitely the last... Uh, he, I know it's kind of veering off track, but he does not get enough credit for really, really resurrecting All Japan to a certain point in the extent that whether whether any of us liked Kojima or not, he got over as the the un, undisputed ace of All Japan. That fan base absolutely thinks the world of him, and having that solid of an ace really did help that company. And I have no idea what that had to do with the G1. Well, <laughs> <laughs> which means we're taking over the show, and we apologize. I say it's it's much like a nightmare. My fault. It all flows together, <laughs> or something. Anything else for uh, New Japan this year? Uh, like, well, the Kanemoto uh, run in the G1, like I mentioned earlier, was was huge, and actually that yeah, run I didn't was see in, that coming. It was actually uh, oh. initially intended for Minoru Minoru Tanaka, who turned down a spot in the G1 and. It's not surprising they tried to give him that run. They wanted to do that before uh, in the New Japan Cup in 2005, but then he got injured. They were, they were going to give him a heavyweight push. So outside of that, just solid booking in New Japan, more so than previous years, and especially after Lesnar, not as many screw-ups and not as many no-shows and weird things happening, just status quo, which for them is really what they need. Yeah, and a decent use of the junior heavyweights, which nobody else did this year either. Yeah. All Japan couldn't, and you know Noah just chose not to. All right, well, I guess that takes us to All Japan, where um, where the aforementioned Kojima's 17-month title reign as Triple Crown Champion ended, rather surprisingly, to a Taiokea, who lasted two months as champ before losing it to the also aforementioned Minoru Suzuki. That silence right there was pretty much, sadly, uh, about what Taiokea's reign was. <laughs> it was uh, Mike put it best uh, on our show. It was the Lifetime uh, Achievement Award for Kea, 
it, it was basically the way to say, here's the last Baba guy. Yeah, you're the last Hulk you guy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was... In in a way, there was really no other way that you could end Kojima's reign. He'd beaten everybody else with an ounce of credibility at least once in title defenses. Mm -hmm. I mean, outside of him him dropping the belt directly to Minoru Suzuki, which for whatever reason they didn't want, it was about the only way they could go. Which, in hindsight, was not a bad idea either. No. At all. And you know, give Suzuki credit, and yeah, you gotta give Kay a little bit of credit for you know being there and actually won the Champions Carnival, which ended up setting this up. Well, in a way, I guess it set it up. Oh, it, yeah, it definitely did because up until that point, Kea had been just one of the guys in ROD. He hadn't really had anything important going on in quite a while. Now Suzuki could have sandbagged him and didn't. No. And it's it, it's interesting in a lot of ways because you've got the Triple Crown title now on somebody who is not contractually bound to All Japan, and he works everywhere. I mean, he, he worked the UI station show. I mean, he's... <laughs> is he's there working. a show that he did not work this year? I mean, that he was everywhere. I don't know if he works Saitama Pro against Ken the Box, <laughs> but outside of that, I think he's been everywhere. That I would have also paid for. It, it, also, All Japan 2006, Shuji Kondo. It's just been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, whether it was... His match against Nakajima, his match against Akira, which hasn't got talked about that much, or his match on the biggest show of the year for All Japan against Kaz Hayashi. He's a guy who, I'm guessing in 2007, as he uh, starts to work in Pro Wrestling Noah, people are all of a sudden going to start to take notice of. I always liked Kondo back when he was uh, back to the uh, Italian Connection in Dragon Gate. I thought he was the world's best rhino but um. <laughs> that's a very very good description and who else who else can wear fringe in that manly of a fashion sure he's been uh the junior champ there it's about approaching 14 months i think if you yeah know, with uh no end in sight yeah there really is when you think about it the only person in that company that i could actually see going over him where people would buy into it would be nakajima I mean, he's run through everybody else and he's been built up as a guy who can even hang with the heavyweights. He had a, a damn good match with Kojima that went almost 25 minutes a few months back. That I mean, it'd be pretty hard to buy Nosawa or you know Ryuji Hijikata beating Shuji Kondo at this point. Does um, All Japan have their uh, tag champs anymore? Is, is <laughs> Maga... You are a very funny man, Joe. Is, is Maga still technically a tag champ? For, uh, All Japan? I believe. I believe uh, Kendo Kashin. Is still in possession of one belt, and I believe Rico Constantino ha- has the other belt at this point. I think he sold that though to Kenzo Suzuki. He'll be using it in hustle soon. <laughs> it's Where been it a long time. I mean, it's been since Christ. What was it? How long has it been? January, February? I believe January at, of this at, year. At least that long. I know there've been a few aborted attempts at actually reviving the titles, and now they're saying yet again that. In February at the the All Japan show at Sumo Hall, they're they're talking about crowning new uh, new uh, tag champs. I still can't understand why they didn't just crown them uh, during the Real World Tag League, but I don't know. Because <laughs> yeah, this is the second time in a row a set of champions have lost the belts, you know, d- you know, b- being stripped, and they haven't done anything with it, which makes me wonder again, you know, where is Yoshi? And where's a tag team partner for Yoshi? 
Yeah, that's Talk about a guy who went to All Japan, and I thought he was going to be a big deal this year for All Japan. Nothing. Well, so, that's one of the things that hasn't really been talked about, and the only thing I ever remember hearing was that all the guys who were working for Fujinami's Muga promotion, which, hey, it's another another promotion with like 12 guys in their contract. That's always good for business. But that those guys, that there are some problems with them being allowed to work outside of that company. And you're right, we haven't seen Yoshi in quite a while. And he's big, he's fat, he's colorful, and he wears pink. Seems like a perfect fit in the uh, the 2K version of uh, of All Japan. I mean, you figure he'd be able to call his own shot on where he wants to go. I don't think you can... It's almost like Shibata. Yeah, that's you know, a, he, just a bizarre, bizarre figure, story. He, yeah, I mean, he would just up and go, no, I'm going to go here. Unless they just, they really don't want it either, which is questionable with Shibata too. Yeah, Shibata has been, when you looked initially at Shibata, Nakamura, and Tanahashi, uh, they, they were given the new Three Musketeers moniker, obviously alluding to Hashimoto, Chono, and, and Muto years ago. And it seemed that Shibata was the one who had all the tools to be the breakout star and was the one that was most main event ready. He had that big fight aura. And he's just both both physically and career-wise just kind of just out there floating along, just whittling away to nothing slowly. Unless he's getting paid really well to do nothing, which in that case I really wouldn't blame him. It's just tough for me to believe he is getting paid that well. No, I, I, I don't think that he is at all. You don't think he's eating. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> you look at him from November of 2004 when he wrestled Kawada in the Sumo Hall for New Japan compared to his, his last appearance in Noah, and he looks like his adopted hometown should be Ethiopia. That, he, he is not that... You really screwed people up with that. But he is I think not people that were screwed small. up. No, he, he, he is. When, when his head... I mean, Kenta looked bigger than him. <laughs> Kenta did, would not have looked bigger than him two years ago. Guaranteed. I smell a great WrestleLand... Uh gimmick or angle <laughs> the, the bulimic wrestler <laughs> yeah the fighting ethiopian or something you <laughs> set him up against like, you set him up against like a fighting eritrean or something like that and watch the sparks fly so basically yeah. apocalypto throw a chicken leg in the middle of the ring see him watch him go after it like it was the xfl beginning of the game <laughs> oh my god oh he could fight um a big mac from uh, ddt for uh for the hamburgers he carries around uh, if only the latter has the title <laughs> well, I don't. I didn't see the ladder of the last batch of DDT. I saw. No, I sadly, it's been retired. Oh <sighs> man, heartbreaking. It's just not. Yeah. By the way, did did you question Buka Pro Wrestling? I mean, they have Mike Barton as a uh, <laughs> a full timer, uh, a, a a very strong guy. And I I will say that, and it, this is the case with a lot of these small promotions that end up dying off just because they don't have enough talent. The shows weren't bad. The main events for the the two shows that I've seen, which were Nishimura against Hiro Saito on the first show, and then the uh, the Nishimura-Fujinami two out of three falls match, they're both very good. But the problem is, who's going to care? It, <laughs> it's it's a very small niche audience that is into the Nishimura headstand as anything more than a mid-card act. And that's with all these promotions. These guys, they think they're a bigger deal than they are. They go start their own promotion and then they've got 450 people at Kirk and Hall, and they're wondering why they can't do a third show. I can't wait till Yuji uh, Nagata starts Ambition Pro Wrestling with uh, Blue Wolf and Richard Slinger. They're the only three wrestlers <laughs> on the roster. Uh, no. And his brother. Yeah. 
<laughs> Richard Slinger and Wrestleland working a, a masked Blue Justice gimmick. I, I would love it. God. I know your favorite foreigner in All Japan slash Noah of all time, Mike. Dick Slinger. That natural tag team with him and Loki right before he left. <laughs> they, they, they had a lot of big wins to earn that junior tag title shot. I think the, the that tag title shot was the only title shot he ever got in his career. Yeah, that was another right. Lifetime Achievement Award. That was that like, was Here, here's your title shot, get the fuck out. Kind of like a Carnage Crew winning the ROH tag belts. That was his Rocky moment right there. <laughs> that was his shot. And he didn't and get any he with... Took the fall. Didn't get any with Scorpio. No, uh, I don't believe yeah. so. Really? My knowledge. Huh. He, he would so. have been a great hardcore open weight champion. <laughs> Wait, well, the belt still exists. He could always come back and get a chance at it. I can only have to go have... through Eddie Edwards first, but I'm sure he's still in peak physical condition. <laughs> if he could bust out the Chattanooga Choo Choo, uh, <laughs> the vaunted finisher, it's all over. He'll be back with a wrist, wrist clutch uh, Chattanooga Choo Choo. <laughs> <laughs> it's all over, man. <laughs> if only he could pick up Wade Chisholm as a tag partner. What is what is that? What does Wade Chisholm mean? That last name is that a? It means bad wrestler. <laughs> I didn't quite mean. I just don't know, like... It's a Latin translation, said. isn't it? <laughs> well, you just said, Wade Chisholm, yeah. I mean, if that's your real name, that's one thing, but you're not obligated to use your real name in wrestling. But he's built a, he's built up a huge, huge uh, uh, resume under the name of Wade Chisholm. I mean, that, that name carries a lot of weight in the States. You, you can't just leave Chisholm. that here. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of drawing 450 people in Corken Hall, let's talk some zero one. <laughs> what there is to talk about, besides the the dominant tag team of Omori and Nakanishi. Oh, team I have Grizzly forgotten. Fought. Yeah, haven't forgotten. I've forgotten that the promotion even exists. It, it's. I think it, they still do. It's been fun when Alex Shelley's been there. <laughs> yeah, because he's a, not anywhere near Kevin Nash. <laughs> hey, that's. I, that's, I'm sure that's pretty much everybody's guilty pleasure in 2006 is uh, Kevin Nash talking, not Kevin Nash wrestling. <laughs> <obviously>. <laughs> Kevin Nash lifting toy boxes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, but there, are, there are weights inside. Oh, no. Money. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, Masato Tanaka, who's had his shoulder taped up for about 10 years, <laughs> is finally getting sh- shoulder surgery. I guess he saved up his pennies from his... Uh, Zero one date and um, yeah zero one um, yeah <laughs> I guess it still exists. That's that's about the best way to describe it. And it's much like we uh, we've talked about too many promotions. Zero one, its best contribution would be folding up and sending guys like Sato and Sai and a few other guys to either New Japan or Noah. Especially guys like Sato and Sai, who are very very similar to the the traditional New Japan style. Why? When uh, they can stay with their successes and hustle. Oh yeah, I, I <laughs> forgot about that. Oh, you know, I, I, there you I, go. I just found out Yoshihito Sasaki, who was zero uh, one for a while. He's uh, somehow a tag champ in Big Japan now. Is he really? And if, if people are. Uh, Leaving your company to go to Big Japan, uh, <laughs> you've got some problems. Man. Yeah, that's that's not good. You're yeah, leaving, <laughs> leaving. Even, uh, Sekimoto, who uh, who is uh, I do love because he is he's jacked to the gills and he has a very small head. Thickest four foot six man alive. <laughs> it's like if Super Porky found a needle. <laughs> 
He's on some lockup shows. Uh, Sekimoto, not not Super oh, that's Porky. Super Porky was that? I, 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 I want to see Porky Akabono. So I'll change oh. my mind on that promotion. I bet Deep <laughs> would book that. <laughs> Who oh, would book that? Deep. Oh yes, they they most certainly would. Porky and Akabono against like Dos Cross and who else? <laughs> Mark Jindrak, for that matter. Why not? Well, Sean O'Hare. But Sean, yeah, I guess M- Sean O'Hare, yeah. Noted MMA practitioner, Sean O'Hare. <laughs> you know, it, it's strange that um, Sean O'Hare is now an MMA practitioner and uh, Mark Jindrak is now a luchador main eventer. <laughs> it all makes perfect sense. W- where does Mike Sanders fit into the equation? He's doing stand-up in uh, probably Georgia right now. So Reno? You know where Reno is? You seem to Nevada? be the, uh, the the clearinghouse for natural-born thrillers information. I have no idea. <laughs> Reno's seeing his uh, girlfriend slash sister right now. <laughs> wow. Yes. Well, wow. That, was the, that was the angle where um, where one week the, the woman was his girlfriend. I think the next week she was his sister suddenly. I forgot about Sounds that. About I think right. we referenced like, that not long ago. Yeah. I think you, you actually mentioned that last night and uh, or the, the previous Big Audio Nightmare. And I'm like, yeah, that was his girlfriend slash sister, depending on the fucking committee that week. <laughs> Changes from week to week. It's understandable. Happens. Lodi and Lenny being brothers, but they're not brothers. They're from West Hollywood. Uh, WCW is just a cesspool, but it was like I don't know. Looking back, it really does make me laugh a lot harder now, seeing exactly how bad some of that stuff was and how bad it ended up, and some of the vignettes and everything towards the end of there. And hopefully, Vince Russo can do the same for TNA. I actually saw someone selling the, the, the set of Nitros from, from 2000. Yeah, a full 51-disc set. And I'm like, why? Well, are you going to dig through that mountain of shit to find maybe the occasional good angle or match? It's got it the complete, terrible. complete history of the Magnificent Seven, though. Who <laughs> <laughs> was the Magnificent Seven? Remember Animal was involved? Flair. Flair. Oh, that's right. This is oh, that's... How could you... People talk about the Four Horsemen. How can you leave out the Magnificent Seven? Because well, look right. what it built to. It built to Shane Douglas was the one holding the camera. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. And on the, the very last was the very last Bischoff done show. That's a, they did that payoff, and then the very next week was the Night of Champions. They went on hiatus. Yes, that forever. was the season finale. The season finale. Okay, Otherwise, no, it's the end of American professional wrestling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or at least my interest in it. All right, I remember the uh, the roster from Georgia Wrestling in 1990, but I don't remember any of this, so... Oh, that was this, the very tail end where somebody would go around... Let's see, what was the, the hot feud at the time was Dusty and Dustin against Ric Flair and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Which led up to, you gotta kiss Dusty's ass, and they trotted out this huge uh, donkey... With the words Dusty's ass on the side of it. <laughs> you should have had to kiss Dusty's splotch. Well, it, was, <laughs> uh, it was just a money look by Flair, though, one time. And Jarrett and Flair were in the ring. And just Flair doing the looks over at Jarrett. I'm not kissing that ass. <laughs> you had to have seen it, and it was hilarious. I'll take your word for it on that. I'm not buying the set to find out. So. I'm telling <laughs> Well, if the set was like, you know, four or five bucks, it'd be worth it. Not even for four or five bucks? No, time is more valuable than that. Time should not be spent watching <laughs> shitty wrestling. Not even Jason Jett? After saying you watched Big Japan for ten hours. Hey, hey, Larry, I'm Big you watch Hustle. I don't see but, what that has to do with anything. <laughs> <laughs> Big Japan's really good. It is. If you, you find the right guys. 
Some days you want to, some shows you want to claw your eyeballs out with, uh, you know, some some of the roster, but uh, some of the wrestlers whose names escape me right now. Well, Numazawa, the crazy looking Raven S character, is just that bizarre. That guy has a great look. He looks like a, like a like a, a Nazi mad scientist from you know, <laughs> you know with, without the eye makeup, but yeah, that guy. Um, I also like how Big Japan. Uh, they're also a moving company. That, yes, the Big Japan moving <laughs> truck. And these guys know a lot about glass, so they'll handle you valuables. Usually they're breaking it over each other's heads, but um, yeah, they know. They know that, and um, really, when you think of everything we've seen in America pro wrestling, we see tables, chairs, we've seen barbed wire, thumbtacks, we've seen fire this year. Glass is really the final frontier. Or scorpions. I'm sure Shane McMahon will be the one to to break that barrier. Oh, let's hope so. Okay, you hey, like uh, a piranha death match, stick Shino's head in there. <laughs> it would it, have to be like a piranha death ass match. The, the asses have to be involved somehow. It's, yeah, it's, really. Seems to be the uh, the standard these days. Yeah. Hey, uh, how about that Dragon Gate? <laughs> <laughs> Good transition, Joe. Thank you. It's all about Ke- Kevin Steen. Kevin Steen. Let me, let me tell you... Um, there was a, a small promotion in my area called Collision Pro Wrestling, and there was there was a, a young wrestler on this promotion whose goal in life was apparently to be Kevin Steen, because he was he was Mr. CPW. He had the 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 small the almost buzz cut. He had the the singlet with the shirt over it, and I'm just thinking of all the wrestlers in the world to emulate, Kevin Steen. This is where you went, Kevin Steen. This is what you came up with. He yeah, looks like look, a huge man in Dragon Gate. <laughs> he's wrestling Jushin Liger, so who had the last laugh? Maybe this, maybe this kid had the right idea all along. <laughs> well, maybe he'll get accidentally booked, you know, in Dragon accidentally Gate. Accidentally booked. Well, you know, well, hey, look, did you think anybody would be stupid enough to sign the wrong one-leg guy? Could no, happen. Never really thought about that, but uh, it did happen, so. There is that. Now, I, I do want to talk about a recent event in Dragon Gate. I don't know. Adam doesn't want this spoiled for him. He <laughs> should maybe go brush his teeth or uh, make a sandwich or something. <laughs> Chances are Mike's already spoiled it for me, so. Oh, well. Because uh, he's an Fuji. ass like that. Don Fuji, the new, uh, what is it, Open the Brave Gate the champion or what have you, beating uh, Yokosuka a few days ago, which um, I don't know what to make of this. If you've been following Dragon Gate, Fuji's largely been... Kind of a comedy wrestler, almost. He's had some runs, but yeah, just kind of a, an, an odd booking decision. I think huh. it leads to the, the return of Magnum at the top of the card. <laughs> I, can, I can hear the enthusiasm in everybody's voices. <laughs> you don't want to give B.B. Hulk his chance? I, I, I'm, you, I'm all about B.B. Hulk. I know you love B.B. Hulk, that, uh, that white choker that he wears to the ring. <laughs> kind of gets you going. Well, that yeah. and the dance routine at the beginning, really. <laughs> Very American males ask. <laughs> you know, and I don't, it, somebody called me up. It, it, it would help you enjoy If you're a teenage girl or a gay man, I don't know how you couldn't like Toriumon. <laughs> or I'm sorry, Dragon Gate. <laughs> or either one for that matter. <laughs> but <laughs> what was what was Toriumon? I don't know. I, I've, I've been uh, watching some, some BB Hulk lately. You know, his little his move the pump handle into, I guess, the Emerald Frozier would have you. That may be the sloppiest move I've ever seen because he is not careful with that. Let me tell you, and he's not an overwhelmingly large man to be doing that. No, move. he's not. No, and none of those guys are. That is, I don't know how there are any broken necks in that promotion at all. 
several of which could be Jack Evans's, <laughs> who has improved greatly being in Dragon Gate. Oh, yeah. But he still scares the shit out of me like he's going to kill himself or someone else. Yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of them uh, damn Americans running around. We had Matt Seidel, we had... Roderick Strong and Austin Aries, who I have not yet seen in Dragon Gate, and uh, Kevin Steen must have uh, snuck onto a plane somewhere, and they just booked him <laughs> out of pity. <laughs> well, yeah, what was the deal with this? He kind of surprised you that Seidel was in, what didn't it? Was it Seidel or Strong? Well, Seidel, Seidel, I, I could buy just on the surface. Strong going into it, I was pretty skeptical of. But it turned out he was, he seemed much more able to adapt to that style than Ares. Uh, Ares, to me, was, was a bit disappointing. He he wasn't horrible, but he just seemed kind of lost, whereas Roderick Strong has been maybe maybe going a, a little bit under the radar, but one of the most improved guys across the board in 2006. Just any style, it seems like he can work right now. You, you gotta love seeing Tenru in a, a six-man tag team with Dragon Kid and uh, Rio Sato, and <laughs> just looking like the the biggest sore thumb you've ever seen in your life with his oldness and uh, his his wacky physique. He needs the BB Holt gear. That's what he needs. <laughs> oh no! Talk about splotches and lumps, Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine him wearing a pair of like Milano Collection AT style glasses just coming to the ring? <laughs> I mean, you never thought he would even hustle, so why not? <laughs> he, could, he could always adopt that uh, that crazy old stereotypical Japanese man gimmick that he wanted to have in, uh, in WWE. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Mr. The big Rice or whatever they're going to call yep. him. <laughs> he could have been Jimmy Wayne Yang. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And they took away his woman today? Did I see this? Now Jimmy yep. Wayne Yang has no woman? He had for uh, a week or so. He had some random... Yeah, he's heartbroken. The, yes, the, the big boo blonde who they just randomly put with him for no reason. It's sad when they say... When you see a thread that says, Amy has been released, and half the people say, I don't know who that was. <laughs> that's, not a, that's, not, that's a sign you did not make an impact in the uh, world of professional wrestling. Was it Pamela Paulshack or Paula Pamshack or whatever her <laughs> name was? That's kind of the look she had. Shocking. I can't believe that. Yeah, who did that? Mike Awesome used to go, Paula, hey, Paula Pam Shock. <laughs> oh, Mike Awesome See, you, promos. That's the way to do it. Get that best of Nitro. You pick up uh, oh. Mike Awesome in oh. Team Canada and then as the fat chick thriller and that 70s guy. And it's amazing how bad a promotion can just ruin one guy. Remember how they debuted him? They debuted him, him just killing Kevin Nash, yeah. holding the ECW, or didn't hold the ECW title. They, he didn't do that one, didn't bring it out in the air, but... No. They did mention it, though. Yeah, how, what a waste that was. Very sad. Well, anything else in Japan we should... Uh, we fit the, the major promotions and Big Japan, thankfully. Uh, by the way, Mike, uh, Kensuke Sasaki worked for uh, Big Japan this year, and he doesn't work <laughs> for just anyone, so, you know... No, yeah. no, not at all. No, he doesn't <laughs> work for IWA Japan against Leatherface in the past. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't remember this, so it must not have happened. <laughs> he did work IWA Japan. Oh. They drew uh, 10,000 in Indonesia, so I don't see you uh... <laughs> I'm sure AWA was there with Dale Gagne, and he had Hulk Hogan on the card. Could have been. <laughs> Uh, I hope he comes back. Well, I Del hope Gagne? he comes back. Well, no, not <laughs> Saki. I guess it's what February, whatever it is, against Nakajima. Well, I don't know his, if that's... 
he makes his return January 2nd for All Japan. Yeah, okay. I'm sure he'll be in one of the, the exciting New Year's Battle Royals that All Japan likes to have. Well, they're having the Juniors Battle Royal, right? That, that's right. And, and Joe, you mentioned uh, if there was any, any other things in Japan. The, the only other thing I can think of, rumor-wise... It seems a little bit out there, but don't be completely shocked if there's a merger between New Japan and All Japan. Apparently, Yuke's wants that really bad. Hmm. Interesting. That would get us down to the the big two again. Which would would not be be a bad thing at all. No, not at all. Call it New All Japan? Null Japan. (laughs) Null Japan. Null Japan. (laughs) Null Japan. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Null. The Null Japan Dome Show. <laughs> well, let's get some uh, some predictions for uh, attendance for the the Dome Show. Not not mm. not announced. That'll be uh, eighty five thousand, but um, <laughs> the actual paid attendance. If I don't know. It depending on how many tickets they sell, it might be better to try to guess what they say is announced, what they'll be able to pull out of this, because I don't know what they're actually going to say. Just a no vacancy or a super no vacancy. <laughs> this might just be no vacancy. Well, they're wow. o- they're only selling the floor, and I believe the first level, the the top level is not even going to be for sale because they know they're not going to be able to get that. <laughs> it seems like it seems like they're shooting. They'd be hoping for thirty thousand. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. It's going to be a bigger crowd than they've had paid wise in the past few years. I mean, it's been anywhere from eight to ten thousand the last couple in terms of the paid attendance. I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up skewing somewhere closer. It'll be closer to twenty thousand than it will be to ten thousand, I think. Which yeah, still I think isn't so saying too. much for a sixty-five thousand seat no, building, yeah. but it is progress. I'll say twenty thousand, and that's being gracious. I'll say twelve. Do you mean thousand or people? <laughs> twelve hundred. <laughs> Friends no, and uh, family sort of affair. <laughs> no, twelve thousand. Twelve thousand paid, papered like uh, I can't think of a good analogy, but. Um, a lot of paper. It'll, it'll be a good card. No, nah, I think people will warm up to it. Obviously, they're not going to have too much time to, but I think they're going to warm up to it if you see what's on there. I mean, there is some intriguing stuff. You know, Suzuki Nagata, and obviously the the tag match is, you know, is it really a super dream tag match? No, not really, but it is kind of nice. You know, Tanahashi and Kea. So I, I, there's nothing to unlock your socks off, but I think people are going to warm to this card really well as it gets a little bit closer. I and the not- fact that there's... It doesn't look like New Year's Eve is going to burn anybody out either. You mean you're not excited about a, a Fedor and Crow Copless New Year's Eve? Well, it's just, you know, there's no threat. The Kameda threat went away. The Koki Kameda threat went away after he uh, won his decision so controversially. And then K1 hasn't, you know, obviously Silva and Akabono on New Year's Eve is something we're all been hoping for. But no Yamamoto this year, so... Maybe if Pride goes out of business, they can do one of those uh, old fangled invasion angles in New Japan. That's worked yeah. out well in the past for New Japan. Yeah, Re- it really, can... really hasn't damaged any of their wrestlers. Is Hashimoto's no. son old enough to wrestle yet? Does he have a son? I that I don't know. I honestly don't up. know. They, they could just keep uh, keep him as a top level face, like uh, SmackDown's not Eddie Guerrero. Oh, <laughs> Why not? Man. I can't wait for angles over his estate. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! <laughs> Two years after he died, <laughs> they haven't settled this yet. It takes a while in Japan, but 
awful. Uh, yeah, that's very poor taste, but <laughs> it's almost midnight, so what can you do? Yeah, you're not lying. It's like three hours past my bedtime. I think this, is a, this has been longer than our show this week. Is that possible? Well, we cut out the pre-show, perhaps not. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, very good point. Very, very solid point. When I edit all of Mike's comments, uh, it'll probably be very short. So, <laughs> Damn. That's right. This is coming from a guy who stuck me on a show with Dr. Keith. You know? <laughs> that was a great show, by the way. <laughs> Dr. Fine. Keith show. I don't know what ever happened to that show. He's a... Uh... Well, I was I am having him on in, in January, the first official guest of um, 2007, which is like those WCW main events that the the Kiss Demon had. But <laughs> he'll explain uh, all that. Although I see Brian Alvarez has scooped me, so to speak, by having Dr. Keith on Friday. That damn Alvarez. But it, really, don't have him on again until he gives us us raises. Oh, okay. We demand raises. We need to well, That's you don't want to help out? saying that, by the way, not Adam Summers. I'm perfectly happy with what with what we're getting. I know you get, I know you get paid. You get like a Snickers bar every uh, two weeks? Or Just the well, wrapper. Coupon yeah. Arby's. Just <laughs> the wrapper. You get to sniff the wrapper, you know? Well, I think we're all done with Japan. I don't know. Is there anything else? Is there? Well, it's dead, so I... I yeah. Again, That's I right, don't really see dead. what we're doing here. <laughs> we've, we've wasted the entire wasted year once again. Two hours. But... <laughs> yeah, unless you want to talk football, and I'm sure Mike doesn't want to. No one wants to hear about the Falcons, so. You know, there's still playoff hope here. For the Saints, I know. It's pretty exciting. Okay, you, you, I'm sorry, Joe. Who is your squad? Oh, uh, that would be the uh, New England Patriots. Oh, God. They've had a slightly better track record uh, in recent years than the Falcons. Uh, last five years as a sports fan, three Super Bowls, one World Series. Oh, yeah. And a lot of humbleness. I was humble for about 86 years, so I don't want to. <laughs> I just went with Steve Grogan and Tony Eason and the <laughs> Wow. Forms. Tony Eason. At least you had a Super Bowl it. appearance there back in the day. Oh, yeah, we got crushed like a bug by the Bears. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was fun. But there was a great McDLT commercial, I think, somewhere during that Super Bowl, so it could have been all bad. Oh, and the Super Bowl Shuffle, too. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, good times as a kid. That didn't uh, end my childhood prematurely. <laughs> <sighs> All right, well, I encourage everyone to go to uh, f4wonline.com. You'll have to uh, sign up, sadly, but you well, well worth the money. Sadly? You don't want Brian Alvarez to get money? No, well, I think it's, you know, it's, this is so good, it should be, it sh- everyone should experience this, but it's only for the bourgeois rich that can afford six ninety five a month. Yeah, the whopping six ninety five a month, which will get you just oodles and oodles of uh, nice little extras, like access to all the newsletters over the years, which Brian adds one once a week, as well as the regular newsletter, so, which is really the... <laughs> All the audio that's on there is really a bonus. The newsletter itself is absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. And you can get it uh, online every Wednesday morning. There's no waiting by your mailbox for the Observer and uh, hoping it comes on Saturday, then it doesn't, your weekend's ruined, you got to read it on Monday, and none of that. Every Wednesday, like clockwork. Sure, if there's a holiday, that'll really screw you up. Then you don't get <sighs> till Tuesday. Yuck. I am, uh, for the record, still a member of the F4W, online.com. Uh, for those who don't know, when I had Brian Alvarez on uh, and I told him I was not currently a member, 
of his website. He was not pleased at that point, but I, I am still a member. Just for huh. the record, he he bullied me into uh, signing up again after the show. So <laughs> very intimidating presence on the phone. So he sounded quite upset when you dropped that on him. He was upset, <laughs> but I believe in I believe in blunt honesty. Does Brian know that I'm not even a member? <sighs> I'll edit that out for a uh, Snickers wrapper. <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> Fantastic. That seems as uh, probably as good a place to uh, end as any. We are approaching the witching hour and uh, well past my bedtime, too. But uh, I do want to thank both of you gentlemen for being on. It was very educational, informative, entertaining, and, uh, and good uh, show. <laughs> arousing voter when it starts off with educational and informative it's kind of scary Great, we're a fucking after school special fantastic See what like I, the, uh, the PBS I'm, version of uh, the Joe vs. World show I've ruined your charisma Mike oh man bringing me down man it's the plan <laughs> First, do so you want to come to my defense here a little bit who me yes Oh, uh, sorry, I kind of zoned out there for a second. <laughs> wow, it's... Uh, I heard you two bantering, and I just kind of, my mind drifted for a second. <laughs> More success. We're, rampant, we're running out of steam like Misawa at the end of a 30-minute match. So <laughs> Somebody's giving birth? Oh. <laughs> Water breaking everywhere. Uh, now on yeah. that note. On that note, I think we'll... Uh, <laughs> I, I do encourage everyone to visit joeversusworld.com or thecubsfan.com for a full archive of shows, including Mike's prior appearance with Dr. Keith and a Dr. Keith solo appearance where we, we break down a hustle event in excruciating detail. <laughs> I would definitely agree with the excruciating part of it, by the way, considering it involves hustle. Oh, mm. boy. But, um, yes, I do thank everyone for listening. I will be back with uh, I'm Justin Shapiro next week to do a WWE Year in Review, and, boy, I can't wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be fun talking about Kurt Angle wants his wife to piss and shit on Daniel Pewter <laughs> and that's just the beginning so uh, as always thanks everyone for listening and I will talk to you soon